Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Warning. 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 Trigger alert. She about to say some real shit. Chilly January. Welcome to 2019, people. It is real over here. We are going to get deep today. I am interviewing a dear friend of mine, Nicholas Heller, otherwise known as New York Nico. They say he is an Instagram sensation. I think he's just a sensation period. The reason why I love young Nico, which nobody calls him, everybody calls him Nick. I love Nico because Nico loves New York. Nico loves street culture. Nico loves the extraordinary in the ordinary. He loves performers, individuals, People that march to their own beat. His Instagram is filled with shenanigans going on all over town in the streets of downtown Manhattan. I'm sure it's all over Manhattan, but I think he's mostly uh, a little bit below Midtown. A young man born and raised in Manhattan. Someone who felt Union Square was his home away from home. Still his mind for talent. He puts his lens on people that deserve it, that are asking for it, that the average New Yorker just walks right by and doesn't even notice. All of a sudden, you're watching a small film by Nick, and you're like, wow, I've walked by that guy a thousand times, and I never noticed that he's such a great singer, or that he's so deep and he wants to help people. He really is a sensitive, kind person and someone who loves New York so much and still thinks it has all the weirdness and underbelly that it once had. You just have to look for it a little bit more. This interview went in a completely different direction than I had originally thought that it would. I thought we were going to talk about growing up in Manhattan at a particular time in the in the early 2000s and sort of watching all these different subcultures become popular and talking about mutual friends and shared experiences. And we did a little bit, but in a more serious tone than uh, I had uh, anticipated. Nick wanted to talk about mental health and about 
the shame that some people have with dealing with issues having to do with mental health. I applaud that. We need to explore this as a community, as a culture, the fact that we do not give people the room, the chances. We don't have the patience to deal with mental health issues in a productive way, and we need to, or we're going to be in trouble as a planet if we don't get serious about this. And let's not go on any longer and just jump right into our interview with New York Nico. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I mean, I've been, I've been dealing with uh, OCD. Since I was like ten. Okay. You don't. You don't think you had it before? OCD. Yeah. 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 Um, you know, it's the neurotic New York Jew in, in me. Right. Um, you know, I've always had worries like my whole life. About what? What well, started out when I was diagnosed with OCD? I was like ten or eleven, and it was because I had like these irrational fears. Okay. Um, such as. Such as. Well, I went through like the the cliche OCD things like not being able to step on cracks and like washing your hands and uh, random shit like that. You have a very neat room. Very neat room. Mm. Would would vacuum every day. Really? Yeah. Um, And in my head, I'm thinking if I don't do this, then something bad's going to happen. And so was it also like ritualistic OCD? You know how like Super ri- ritualistic. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So if you miss something in your everyday ritual, it would fuck you up. Yes. Okay. And I guess my parents were like, What's going on with Nick? Like, you know Only they're, they're child? Only child. Okay. Parents mama and dad is daddy's boy. Uh-huh. Um, so they were obviously very concerned. So they sent me to a therapist. You know, I was diagnosed with O C D. And I just kind of dealt with it for a while. Obviously, going to therapy was helpful, um, but it was something that I just needed to to deal with. Um, Were, did they want to put you on meds? Yes, I've I've been on meds my as long as I can remember. Okay. Um, I don't know if it started that early, but since I was like at least since I was thirteen or fourteen, I've been on medication. Okay. It started with uh, medication for. Uh, 
OCD, depression. Okay. Um, and currently, I'm taking it for anxiety. Okay. But yes, yeah, so it started with OCD, and I was seeing a therapist, and uh, that kind of turned into just you know anxiety with hints of OCD. So anxiety from being obsessive compulsive. So okay. You know, so what were you? What? Let's just delve a little deeper. What? I were can't believe you? we're doing this. By the way, no, no, this, no, 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 no. <laughs> therapy morning, with Doctor Claw. Come no, on. No, no. But seriously, like, just to give some context to the people at home. Um, I had a, a panic attack on my way over here, and it's something that, that I get often. Most people wouldn't know it because I hide it really well. You do. But it's something that, like, plagues me and causes me to suffer, and it sucks. So w- when you're busy hiding mm-hmm. your anxiety mm-hmm. or your uh, your panic attack, what are you telling yourself? Are you, like, get it together, con- like— Are you regulating your emotions in a good way or are you like stuffing your feelings down in a bad way? So it's it's hard when you have anxiety with OCD. It's really hard to put your mind onto something more pleasant. You know, Mm -hmm. you can never tell someone with OCD who also has anxiety just like, oh, don't think about it. Like, think about something more positive because my mind is always going to like the most negative thoughts possible. So what are you doing if you feel like this and you have another activity, whether it's work, doing my podcast, or like what do you do to sort of manage and like get through it? Honestly, it's it's just something that takes time. Um, you know, I try to remind myself that these are just thoughts. They're not real. And, you know, like I said before we we got on the air, it comes out of nowhere. Like today, literally everything in my life is great. Like nothing. I have an amazing girlfriend, amazing job, you know. Great friends. Going to hang out with club fucking money. But it just like snuck up on me when I was in the car and I was just like, fuck. And so what what did you feel? You feel feel total... Like, tightness, right? No, no, just like discomfort. Like it's a discomfort that you can't really explain. Just like is it a tingliness fi- is it on and, your whole body? Yes, like the feeling that you're gonna, you know, collapse or pass out. Just like racing thoughts. Just honestly, there's there's no real way to explain it other than just like total discomfort and um, and, and, does, and fear. Does deep breathing help you? I mean, I, that's what I do because uh-huh. that's what I'm told to do. Right, but. Because um, it physiologically changes totally getting but, all that oxygen and and sometimes it makes me feel like more lightheaded of and then, course it does. then my mind races to oh shit am I gonna pass out like am I not gonna make it to Claw's podcast like blah 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 but you know it's it's been something that um, I, I this is this is a very long story so I'm gonna try to <laughs> to give you context in the most succinct way possible so in college. Where did you go to college? I went to college at Emerson College uh, for film. In college is when the anxiety got really bad. I started, like, feeling physical sensations from the anxiety, and I thought they were physical problems with me. So uh-huh. I went to see all these doctors, and basically I was I was feeling this lightheadedness uh-huh. constantly. And I didn't put two and two together that it was stemming from my anxiety. I thought that I was having anxiety because of this lightheadedness. Ah. But in reality, it was kind of the other way around. Right. So I went to see all these doctors. No one knew what it was. And then finally, 
uh, like when I graduated college, I kind of realized that it was anxiety. And then once I made that realization, it kind of went away, which was nice. So, you know, right after college, I did a year in New York where I was making music videos at the time. And things were going pretty well. And then I decided to move to L.A. because... You know, I didn't I wanted, know any I know, of these I things to, about I wanted you. to be a, a music video director okay. and thought that that was the, the next step. So I went to, to L.A. and it was just awful. Um, you know, I had to share a room with a kid, with, who I, with a kid I didn't know. I didn't have a driver's license. It was before Uber. Uh, I wasn't booking work. So I was just anxious 24-7. It was like the lowest point of my life. Like, So were you like... Oh my God! I don't have enough money to eat. I don't have enough. It wasn't money like to pay that because realistically, like you know, I'm I'm from an upper middle class family. Mm-hmm. Like I'm an only child. They're right, gonna, right. If worse came if to worse, worse came to, right. to worse, they would take care of me. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I always kept in my back pocket because I never want to be that guy. Right, but um, but it's uh, but it you your bottom would not yeah be. But it was it was more about being at this age, you know, right after college, where you're kind of expected to to know what you want to do with your life. The fact that I was this age and, and you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, I wasn't the success that I wanted to be. You guys put so much pressure on yourself, you New York boys. I know. It's you know, true. you young downtown go-getters that I've known so many of you like growing up mm-hmm. and now you guys are, you know, uh, have these great careers and, but your sort of group that you over like young overachievers that I think it's very dangerous because it's almost like you guys peak really young and then you kind of can't sort of maintain that through so I think it's a weird blessing in disguise to fuck up after college and fuck around for a few years before you find your okay anyway yeah yeah, no you're right you're right like I put a ton of pressure on myself um, I mean, hanging out with like Bo Wollens and Greg <laughs> Passantino, like it's yeah. a difficult, like, oh, look at these, these kids are fucking stars at 16, yeah, you know? Totally. Um, and that's kind of who I kept comparing myself to. Like when I was in LA, was these kids in New York who sure. were 23, tw- you know, whatever, and they're crushing it. And here I was in this unfamiliar city, you know, went out there to kind of continue doing what I loved and try to make it as like the next type Williams and I was failing. Um, so that put a lot of stress on me and and um, the anxiety got really, really bad. But you didn't even say to yourself like, God, nobody pays for fucking music videos anymore. And like, this is... Well, that was uh, the thing. It was like, if I can't do music videos, what can I do? Huh. Because um, I, I was never good at anything else and I'd never explored any other genres of film. So at the time, I was like, oh, I'm either going to be a music video director or I'm going to work at, you know, Denny's or something. And even okay. that, I wouldn't be good at. So I bet it, you make a mean hash brown. You no. just look like a potato fryer I, kind of guy. I, the only other real job I had was as a waiter. Um, and I got that job through nepotism because my mom knew the owner. But they should have fired me after day one. I was awful. Really? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so L.A. Okay, just, so you were in L.A., in you LA. were miserable, miserable, and you started have, and then you realized that you had this anxiety. Okay, now what? Yeah, um, so eventually I, I had to move back to New York because L.A. just wasn't cutting it for me. So I moved back to New York after six months. I was not only anxious, but I was depressed because, you know, I 
didn't achieve what I set out to achieve. And I was back living with my parents. I didn't know what I was going to do. Um, and then after like a few months, um, you know, I was still going through the anxiety. I was still going through the, the depression. So I was sitting uh, in Union Square, which is where I was born and raised. Um, in actual, so, your mom birthed you? Yes, pretty much. She was feeding squirrels and <laughs> giving birth. I, liked, I, hope, I hope that I was conceived in Union Square, but I definitely wasn't, and I probably shouldn't <laughs> hope that I was conceived in Union Square. Uh-huh. But, um, but yeah, so I was sitting in Union Square, like literally just thinking about what my next move was. Like, what am I going to do? What year is this? This was six years ago. Okay. Uh, 2013. So five or six years ago. Okay. Um, and I, while I was sitting there thinking about my next move, I saw Ted Avon, the six foot seven freestyling Jew, uh-huh. walking around with his big sign that says, Ted, uh, the six foot seven Jew will freestyle rap for you. And you were like, I got to make was, your music video. Well, I was, no. <laughs> I was like. You're like, listen, dude, okay? I'd seen this guy around forever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd never spoken to him because I was generally like a shy person growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, and with my anxieties, it was kind of hard to just like go up to approach people and just start talking. Um, but I used this super low point in my life as an opportunity to go and speak to him. To my surprise, he was, you know, super down to chat. Like I thought of him as this street celebrity. Okay. Because I'd seen him everywhere. So I assumed that, you know, right, he didn't as have a street any, celebrity, right, he, didn't he didn't have any time, have any time, for, time me. for you. Right. But we ended up walking around the city for two hours, and I had the idea after um, us, our, our walk and talk to make a documentary about him. And I'd never made a documentary before. So I was like, oh, shit, maybe this is like my next thing. So I made the documentary about him, and that turned into a series of documentaries on New York street characters called Know Your City and Oh Your City. And that turned into a love for documentary filmmaking. And like around this time, the anxiety and depression and the physical symptoms of anxiety um, started to subside. And I started like putting value in myself, okay. w- which I hadn't done before. Like when, when I was first started doing music videos, I felt great about myself. But it was because I was like super young and like, you know, it was around the time that DSLRs came out. So, uh-huh. you know, people were kind of making music videos on their own with no budget. But yeah, I started feeling like really good about myself and like I was on the right track. And, you know, that turned into a, a career. I started making branded content, commercials, stuff like that, which is what paid the bills. And then I started doing the Instagram kind of just as like a, a passion project on so the side. It's, it's weird because they call you like an Instagram, like an Instagram yeah. superstar. You're so much more than that. Yeah. And I feel like it's very, like, limiting, but it also, it's a great way to spread your message and have totally. your work be seen. Yeah, I mean, I, I like to keep the two things separate. You know, I don't really advertise my commercial services on my Instagram. The Instagram's always kind of been meant to uplift other people and kind of keep myself sane. Yeah, I, you know, I never expected it to to become what it is today. So, do you think that your identity or your even the way you see yourself has to be for you through your work? And I think like maybe that's 
you know, if you're busy, then you're feeling good. But if you're not busy, all of a sudden you're now devaluing yourself. But there's more to you than just the work. It's it's complex because yes, you're right. Like, you know, I do put a, a lot of value in the in the in myself in the work that I'm doing. But that's not to say if you know I'm working on something that is dope and is you know I'm making a lot of money off of. I'm still feeling anxious because. You know, it's this big project, and there's right. a lot. Right? Do you on the feel like there. right? Do you so, feel like a lot of pressure like that, or yeah. do you always feel like, oh, I got this? I mean, so there's phases. I, there's kind right? of there's a, li- a jump in time between when I start, when I got back to New York, and you know, I was feeling great um, until now. So you know, the past five years have been awesome for me career-wise. You know, I'm I shoot commercials. Um, you know, I, I have my own. Uh, production company like things podcast too podcast and then I have the Instagram which is great because it makes people happy and it makes me happy and it helps uplift people right and, and you're giving light to exactly uh, to so a lot of people that so that are things taken for granted. things have been going really really well um, but in the past you know I would say in the past year maybe less than a year that anxiety that I was feeling in LA has started to come back and. There's no real reason for it that I can see because things are going so well. You know, when I was in L.A. and I was really going through it, it was because, you know, I was really unhappy. Um, You know, I was in this unfamiliar place. I didn't know what I was, you know, going to do with my life. So the fact that I had bad anxiety then made sense. And, you know, like I said before, I've never really been public about my anxiety. Um, You know, I posted something on Facebook like two years ago to my friends because you, my, like me, have a, just a Facebook just for your friends exactly. and family. I know. Um, They're like, why do you only have 300 friends? I'm like, because those are actually, like, my friends. <laughs> my real friends. Not it, my, uh, you know, yeah, my fake friends. I, it, I mean, I love you all. <laughs> but it was it was two years ago on my birthday. So it was, like, two years ago today. And it was, like, m- my best year because, uh, you know, I was doing great work. And I was just really happy. So I did this like very like mushy post about, you know, how I used to have anxiety and, you know, it was debilitating and, you know, it gets better, you know, that type of thing. Um, And if anyone wants to talk to me about it, they can talk to me about it. And I had like a lot of friends reach out to me about it and felt great. But, you know, and I thought at that point that it was gone, you know, that, that it was gone forever, that I've, I, you know, learned my, I, I learned more about myself so that I could handle anxiety. But then sure enough, it comes back and it sucks. But I so also. So you don't have a clear uh, pinpointed trigger. There's not something that no. like happens that like makes you feel, you don't know exactly no, what it is. It, it kind of just comes out of nowhere. Are you slow now with work because of the holidays? Is, um, do you think that maybe like you're not being like entrenched in something no because i am i am entrenched in something i'm doing pre-production on a on a big commercial but honestly like it's just it's when you have ocd like it plagues you yeah it, it can come out of nowhere um and it it sucks but you know the thing that i'm fortunate about is like i can mask it which sucks like you know when i'm with people or when i'm shooting like one of the main reasons why i never talk about this publicly is not what other people will think about me because honestly i don't care like i know i know everyone deals with this and i know if anything talking about this 
um, will make other people feel and safer de- to right, talk about and it. And destigmatize right. it. Because that's, right. you know, we'll get to that later, but that's the most important thing. Um, but the biggest fear I had was like losing jobs because I don't want clients to like hear this, you know, Google me because of a, a commercial that I'm up for and then Google this podcast and then be like, oh shit, like Nick has cr- bad anxiety. Like, I don't know if we want to hire him, which sucks. I mean, but doesn't everyone in this industry have bad anxiety? That's the thing. I mean, the thing is, is like, so if any clients are, are listening to this, just know that I can mask it and do just as good work as if, when I don't have anxiety, if not better, but it's just, it's painful for me. Like I suffer, I'll suffer through it. Um, but listen, I will no still... corporations listen to this, okay? <laughs> Get it. But no, this, it's, is just, this is just for the real, the real motherfuckers. Like there, there have been clients in the past, um, you know, I've been up for big commercials and they'll do their research and like see interview that, interviews that I've done in the past where like I say, Anything from, you know, I hate working with actors to I can't remember anything else offhand, but that was one thing that cost me a job. Like I said, I didn't like working with actors. Um, Yeah, like that was just that day. I just felt like that that day because that's how I feel, too. Like I'll say some shit, but I don't necessarily like mean it or it's like like my real like ethos. But yes, that's the problem with the goddamn Internet. It doesn't go away. But the thing is, like, you know, I'm. it's never going to keep me from doing good work. It's just that it, it causes me to suffer on the inside. And, you know, masking it, I don't think, makes it any better. Have you seen these commercials with Michael Phelps? No. So Michael Phelps is doing commercials about talk therapy and how he has anxiety mm. and some inner demons that and he's talking about you know this this it's an app of course a therapy app yeah which i think i think is great you know here is an olympic athlete a pot smoker um just sort of like a regular a regular dude just hey i need therapy yeah. you know you would be like oh this guy's on top of the no, world I mean, what why would he need there everybody needs therapy it's definitely becoming less stigmatized which i think is good like two years ago i never would have come on a podcast talking about this honestly i, I never even expected to to talk about this publicly before today but when i was in the uber over it was just like it's crazy how this how this you know how this happens and i know i know i'm not the only one no um so you know if if there's anything that i can do with my like i said if you know the the, my platform is meant to like uplift people and make people happy or whatever so you know if there are followers of mine listening to this i'm sure that you know they deal with some sort of anxiety in some form or fashion or ocd or Or depression or or have or have people close i hope that this um helps helps them in in some way um you know i'm not an expert you know i see a therapist but it's hard for me to like regurgitate their messages but if anything i hope that me talking about it um kind of destigmatizes it my husband's a therapist no shit yeah really yeah oh wow so we're all constantly talking about stuff and um we're all all about it about it Mm. so no but it would i mean honestly i think it would be a lot easier for people with these disorders if they didn't have to mask it like if they could just be like i need a second like i'm having a panic attack you know you don't have to worry about me i'm not gonna 
collapse or die or anything. Just like give me a second, you know, like if say I came on this podcast okay. and I, I never I never mentioned to you that I had a panic attack on my way over here uh-huh. and I just like was going through it. We would have, you know, conversed. You probably would be able to tell that something. I'd was be up like, with why? Right? Why is he? Why is there like a wall up? If we weren't, if we weren't addressing, if we didn't take this entire podcast to just address uh, mental illness, mm-hmm. and I wanted to just like be the the bubbly kind of bubbly. I've never referred to you myself are, as bubbly. Why you are? But whatever you are. the 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 happy the, N- the New York the, Nico. Yes, the New York Nico. That if, um, if I could have just like you know talked to you normally and then maybe asked asked. Uh, Jose to turn the mics off and be like, yo, I just need a second. Like I'm having a little, you know, mental moment. moment. Right. Uh-huh. Can you can you forgive me? I mean, I'm sure that with you that would have been fine, but uh, for most people they might be kind of Barbara just like, Walters would have thrown you right the fuck out. Yeah, exactly. Get out of here, dude. But <laughs> that would be Does she and, have a podcast Barbara no. Walters? <laughs> 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 and I'm sorry, I'm having I'm having trouble articulating this just because you're this is, trying this is... to say that you worry that if it wasn't somebody who's uh, your friend right. or someone who loves you and is, you know, all accepting of you that that it might have been a different. Um... But wouldn't it be great whether it's anxiety or anything, anything that 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 plagues you, you know, everyone has something that plagues them. If you could just. Tell somebody, you know, whether it be a client or, you know, a date, like someone you're going on a date with, pardon me, you know, I'm kind of having a moment right now. Can you excuse me? And then just like, you know, take some time to yourself, breathe, whatever you got to do. They know that, you know, you're going through it. So maybe they'll treat you with a little extra love and care. But then you come back and then things are fine. Does that make sense? Take a moment, everybody. No, but seriously, doesn't that does that make sense? Yeah, because I mean, I don't get panic attacks. Mm-hmm. I mean, I definitely get nervous at yeah. time, and I can have I can be anxious. But I have other things that ail me that I need. Totally, I I, I have my period. Once totally, month. I was like, going to say women's issues, right? Like, so, uh, like, excuse me, I'm you know having cramps and a, a, like a blood ball. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't having, it be, I'm passing a blood wouldn't it be ball great right if you now. could just wouldn't it be great if you could just say that to to but a, you can't. A client? I mean I well, I wish can I wish we change that? Yeah. Okay. We are talking about mental illness and periods, okay? Let's start with that and then we can change the world. I'm serious though, right? I am serious too. I'm 100% serious. Cuz I, I feel like knowing you you would be comfortable telling somebody that cuz you wouldn't be embarrassed, right? But it's more about It depends though because yeah in in uh in a group of people that I feel loved and accepted in, even if I don't know them, but I feel that sort of vibe, mm-hmm. I would be able to say anything. But if I was with a client and I could, you know, uh, no, I couldn't say that would be considered extremely unprofessional, right? Like, we <laughs> don't want to know about any of your physical problems or you being a woman having to deal with this every month. That Like, you can't be that. You are a fucking machine to do work you know it's a weird thing that's sort of going on with like the corporatization of our culture right where you know no harassment policies and none no that but you can't be really human Mm -hmm. in other aspects it's it's very unfair and people um are very judged based on their problems totally and it sucks yeah 
I, I really don't know anybody who doesn't have a problem with totally, two. Totally. I mean, we're built for this. Yeah. Yeah. And we're built for pain think, and suffering. I think the worst thing that, that people can tell you to be is like a warrior. Like, you know, like uh, people with – I was I was talking to my friend Amina Tao. Do you know Amina Tao So I don't know anybody. She's you a, know She's you a will. podcaster. Okay. She's awesome. But I was talking to her and she said – she just um, – she's going through cancer treatment. Mm-hmm. She says that the worst thing people can tell her is like, be a warrior. You know, be strong. Like, why the fuck does she need to be a warrior and strong? Like, she's dealing with – cancer like because, why does she have to you know right, let her do whatever the fuck aggr- she wants to do to make herself feel right better. aggressiveness is uh is is something that uh america respects yeah aggression we live in such a violent country totally so of course anything you know you're you gotta fight it and yeah sometimes you just want to feel it and yeah sit with it do and, it do it at your own pace right you know I'll, um, I'll tell you something. Uh, interesting concept. I it, it kind of blew my mind. I was giving a talk at a feminist bookstore about this book on women in graffiti. It's not a, a beautiful picture book. It's a academic uh, written by a PhD. A friend of mine, uh, Dr. Jessica Cologne Pabon. What's up? My homegirl. And some some of it I completely agree with. Some of it I don't agree with at all. And she welcomes that dissertation at her things that I I can talk about, you know, the things I agree with, the things I disagree with. One of the women in the audience said, why do I have to be tough? Why Mm. do I have to? And I'm like, well, if you want to fucking be in graffiti and deal with all these dudes, you have to. And I was like, why doesn't she want to be tough? Like afterwards, I was like, what, what does she like? She wants to be like passive about like, I didn't understand that. Yeah. I thought about it a lot and I was like, yeah, why does she have to fucking deal with, you know, the patriarchy on right. the, on that level? Why can't she just be like more gentle and she doesn't want to fight about it and she doesn't want to have to yell and scream for her. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, I'm like, what do you mean you don't want to yell and scream? Because yeah. that's what I do. Yeah. Anyway, it's sort of the same thing that your friend is saying. And why do you have to be so tough and right. a fighter all the time? It's exhausting. Totally. Let's all think of how we can use peace to sort of get the answer that totally. that we need uh, within ourselves. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and I just I also just went to a wake, and the wife of or the the widow of the deceased uh, was telling me how everyone's like telling her to be strong. Like, wh- why does she have to be strong? Her fucking husband just died. But it's just, I get it's it. Weird. Like, it's something like, you people, say. I've said yeah, it before. Yeah, I, say, yeah, I still say it. I still try to convince myself to, to, you know, be strong and to be a warrior when I'm, like, going through these It's expected of you as a, yeah. as a, as a, especially as a male. Right. Like, you're expected to, totally. to show no vulnerability. Right, and right. there's, you know, absolutely no time for, like, emotional consideration. You need to do. You need mm-hmm. to go forward. You need to forge ahead. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, these are some of the problems that women are having with men. Totally. Is that, you know, why why do you have to use sheer force? Right. Why can't we just... We need more of, male softies. We need more male softies. Right? More sensitive men. Yeah, you go. I'm 100% all about that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. You're right. 
having feelings and talking about feelings and sharing feelings are important. Yeah. For, I mean, I grew up like, stop crying, shut up, and get over here. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to my mom. Hey. <laughs> and RIP my dad. But, you know, whatever they. Uh, they made me sort of feel like being emotional was a weakness. And and I still feel like that, yeah. even though I don't want to. Mm -hmm. But even within myself, I'm like, oh, I'm emotional. I, I was in a business meeting yeah. recently with a non-partner oh, for no. one of my businesses. No, no, shout out to me. Shout out to okay, me. Good. But anyway, I was shredding them to bits okay. in this meeting. And... They were sinking down in their seats like fuck. And I felt like I this like ball in my throat, like I was going to cry. And I was like, get it together, Claudia, you're in a fucking business meeting. But it's my brand and it's so personal to me. And I felt so upset. And I really had to like kind of like dig my nail into my thigh so I wouldn't cry it, it it was stifling to me. Yeah. Like, I was like, you know, God, if I cry, I fucking lose. I'm losing. But I wanted to. Like, my, uh, it, it wasn't even, uh, you know, like a conscious decision. Like, hey, I want to cry. I'll feel better. But, like, my soul wanted to fucking release the pain I was having, the emotional pain I was having in, in that way. I'm glad I, I didn't because... In theory, I appeared to be victorious by controlling my emotions in that way, though it felt very bad sure. inside. You still would have been victorious if you cried. No, I would have. I would have looked weak. I would have looked weak. I would have looked weak. You're right. I would have. You would have, but why? Why would you have looked weak for showing emotion, showing that you really were passionate about this? And then I cared, this, right? and then it was Isn't sad, and then it was a, like it was a sad breakup because, you know, sort of in business, it's, it's a, a weird marriage, yeah, right? Yeah, and, uh, and it was sort of like the death of the, of the marriage, yeah. and, and, you know, and even though everybody knew. Was, Everyone there should have been crying. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know the situation. I mean, yes, that, and and – I hope they were. Yeah. <laughs> That's did you, the mean did you, bit to me. <laughs> did you at least let out a good cry afterwards? No. Afterwards, I um, walked outside and I called my husband and I was like, I'm free. I feel I feel good. But, you know, I thought I, I was, you know, I seemed really angry before I went to this meeting and I was like, let me at him. Yeah. Like, I'm going to fucking mince, mince them. Minced all these men. I can't fucking wait. Yeah. Line by line, we went through this thing. I was like, what is this? Why is that? You know what I mean? And I was like, this is bullshit. Like, and I was demonstrating all of these sort of what I would call like dominant. I'm not going to call it like a gender, like be gender specific, but like dominant, like business practices. And it didn't really make me feel good in, in, in my heart. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was also weirdly, like, proud of myself at the time for not crying. Mm -hmm. I was proud of myself because I was like, damn, I would have really, like, fucked up my, my whole sort of. But 
again, it's it, it was um, – I'm not going to say it's like a phony, but it, it did feel phony because it was I wasn't real with how I really yeah. felt because, yes, I turned it around to be positive. Yes, I – listen, we're not good partners. I, I wish you guys the best. I wish you success. Like – it turned around into, um, you know, like a nice parting instead of parting on right. bad terms. But and maybe that's what I was proud of myself is that that it wasn't an ugly, disgusting, um, destructive breakup. I don't know. It was a, it was a confusing thing. But I was uh, I really had to watch myself to right. not let the tears come out. Yeah. And I think how can we sort of change the attitude of letting your feelings out I guess or... just talk about it more you know right it's unfortunate that it has to be Kanye but you know obviously he kind of brought up mental illness and bipolar disorder and stuff like that and has raised awareness surrounding his mental issues you know who am I to say he's doing it in the wrong way but I feel like more people are talking about it now you know what I really wanted to talk to you about? What's that? I wanted to talk to you about growing up in New York City. Oh, okay. <laughs> now now that I've settled down. Now yeah. that you settled down and you feel yeah. a little bit more relaxed, yeah. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because we talked about it. Because, because I didn't we talked have to about it. And you didn't have up. to bottle it up and like push it down yeah. and make yourself feel like a weirdo yeah. with no one who understands you and you're just sort of this like pillar of suffering. Mm-hmm. Yes. You can call me anytime, honey, if yep. you ever feel oh, thank you. nervous or bad. But just last last thing about that. I don't want people listening to this to get like discouraged or something. Like if anything, look at the and not to suck my own dick, but like look at the things I've done and just know that that is being produced by someone with severe anxiety. So, you can live with severe anxiety and still be high functioning. Good. So to- that's that's kind of what I want to leave. The br- leave with I you. mean, the brain is a very complex thing. We don't really understand it. Yeah. We don't understand. But I, I think the world we live in, how can it not make you? How can you not be anxious mm. a little bit? Mm-hmm. And being a, a young man in this world who wants to make a difference, I mean, mm-hmm. it, blessings to you. Thank you. Anybody who needs a commercial done, call Nico. He is 100% profesh. <laughs> um, let's talk about uh, the New York and New York Nico. Mm. You are from? I'm from Union Square. You're from Union Square Park. Mm-hmm. The third tree on the left of the, of the middle bench on 15th Street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, no, actually, really, what street? Uh, 16th Street between 5th and 6th Avenue. Damn, you really are from Union Square. Yeah, not really. I mean, it's technically Chelsea, I guess. Yeah, but I've never, I guess, I've never but referred no. to where I'm from as Chelsea. I don't know. 5th Avenue is not Chelsea. Mm, yeah. You know what I mean? 6th Ave. 6th Ave is right? technically, yeah, I think. So I think, yeah. It's just easier to say Union Square. You're like lower midtown west? Yeah. No, I, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> But yeah, I was I was born and raised there. Um, my parents were there up until like three years ago, and then they moved because now where they were they living. Live? Well, they were they were living in a rent controlled brownstone, so that's where I grew up mm. in a beautiful rent controlled brownstone. They're paying like 
$1,200 a month or something. Back when New York was for middle class yeah, fams. Yeah. It was. Mm-hmm. But then the landlord passed away. Someone else bought the building. And they're like, and they're let me get into these condos. Out. Yeah. Right, right, so right. it would have made their life a living hell. So they moved. Um, now they're living. They got paid out. They did get paid yes, out. Yes. Yeah. Blessings. Yeah. Um, yeah. I love those those OG New Yorkers that are getting paid. Exactly. But yeah, so that's that's where I grew up. Union Square was my backyard. Okay. And were you allowed, like, what age could you start sort of uh, wandering around Manhattan by yourself? Because um, this is a different time. Yeah, you- totally. I mean, 16, does that sound right? How? What grade would I be, have been? I think uh, 10th I, grade? Oh, no. So then it's probably 8th grade. 8th grade, yeah, right? Like 13. Right after 9-11 for me. I feel like they wanted to allow me to to do my own thing when I was in like seventh grade, but then nine eleven happened. So then I think they were right. Like, Everybody like we'll pull, hold got back pulled. on that. Right, right. We want them close to us for at least another year. So I talk about nine eleven a lot on yeah, this don't podcast we because um, it was such an experience, especially for like died in the wall New Yorkers. Where were you nine eleven? I was uh, in school at Little Red Schoolhouse. Wow. Um, I was in seventh grade. Uh, Little Red Schoolhouse, for those who don't know, is um, the sc- the Bleaker. school that all the cool kids go to in the West Village. <laughs> it's true, though. Yeah, um, it's on Bleecker Street. I only all my interns go to Little Red Schoolhouse. Really? Yeah, you will oh, not no be way. because that's what you know. Huh? Interesting. Okay, I don't care what college you went to. I want to know <laughs> that you're freaking your elementary school. Yes. <laughs> um. But yeah, so we were like a mile away from from the Twin Towers. So I remember I was I was with a learning specialist because I was seeing a learning specialist at the time. It's actually funny. She was a specialist who was meant to correct the way I write because I you held the pencil. I held a, a pencil way. like a like an idiot. I still do hold it like an idiot. Mm. Um, but yeah, I went to see a specialist to try to like fix that. Um, and Did I remember, you have that like rubber um, yeah, of course, triangle? Of course, which I never see anymore. I guess I'm not in elementary I get, school. I, yeah, I bought one for my kid because oh, he was real? like he was holding the pencil in a crazy way. Oh, and wow. We were like, no, no, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, I'll have to, I'll have to get you one for, uh, for Hanukkah next year. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, we had to cut the session early. Wasn't sure what was going on. She brought me back to my homeroom, and the kids were just like going nuts, like laughing. Like I remember there was one kid who was like simulating the pl- like with his hand simulating the plane going into the tower. There was another kid who's my best friend whose dad worked in the Twin Towers and he was like laughing and running around like a crazy person. So then, yeah, it was I was informed of what happened, but we didn't. Did I, they keep you in school the whole day? No, no, no. So. I, they informed us and because you us that must have just been like it was it happened at eight yeah, yeah. something in the morning yeah, yeah. right and okay. it, it was right when school like two days after school started or okay something like that. oh um, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't even think about it in terms like that um so yeah they told us that our parents were coming they, I think they just told us that that planes flew into the twin towers and I up until like the next day I thought it was just like an accident like that two two planes flew into the World Trade Center right, accidentally they, right. And I also had never really heard of terrorism prior to that. Okay. So I didn't know I didn't know that that was like a thing that could happen. Sure. And yeah, and then, you know, the 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 next few weeks was just like kind of living in in fear thinking that it might happen again. My my dad worked at the New York Times at the time, mm-hmm. so I was really worried that that something would happen there. So I was scared for him. 
Um, my mom worked right next to that Empire State Building, so I was worried about her. I remember at, for at least two years, every time I saw like a, a low-flying plane, I would get freaked out. Do you um, think that your yes. anxiety... So that's what... So yes, full circle. <laughs> okay. That's what my therapist blames it on. I absolutely 100% it, agree. Because it happened because around the same time. It In that developmental time, yeah. in, in a child's, you know, upward trajectory yeah. of like, that is a quintessential time of brain development. Yeah. And... Being so young and not being able to sort of contextualize, like, what terrorism was, what happened. I remember, I mean, I was, uh, God, it's eight, it'll be 18 years next year, right? Um, my father died a week before 9-11. Oh, God. Yeah, it was crazy. And I had sat shiver with my pregnant sister. My father got diagnosed with cancer and then died, like, six months later. Like, boom. And a, a weird tidbit, my dad re was retired, but every Tuesday he would go to the Twin Towers and work for Blue Cross Blue Shield as – he was a, a dentist and then he was deciding whether things would be uh, covered by insurance. Mm -hmm. And because he was just such a good guy, he'd be like – Yes, insurance. Yes, yeah. He said, I would just click off. Yes, yes, yes. This should be covered in, under insurance. So if he was alive, he, it was a Tuesday. He would have been at oh the – it's. God. it was It was a crazy, crazy time. Anyway, I had come back from sitting shiver at my mother's in Long Island with my pregnant sister that morning at 6 in the morning. And I remember I had a styling job and they had held up the production on the commercial waiting for me to – be able to work and my sister called me on the phone and i was like bitch i fucking just been with you 24 hours a day for the last seven days at our mother's house why are you calling me mm -hmm. at eight in the morning mm -hmm. i just dropped you off and she goes claudia i just saw a plane hit the twin towers i was like i don't know what you're talking about because yeah. i have to do this job i have to go to century 21 i gotta go to like i gotta get off the phone right. i gotta start shopping and she was like you're not going anywhere honey Turn on the television. And I was like, what? I just thought for the next few months that I was just going to die. Like, I just was like, mm. I'm just going to die in some random act of violence. Mm. Like, I'm going to be on the subway. It's just going to explode. I'm going to be walking down the street. Like, boom. Like, it's on. Like, we're, I'm just going to die. Mm -hmm. And it was really a crazy experience for people that were actually here. Yeah. And I remember... After that, I called my friend. I was like, yo. And she's like, come to my place. We can see the Twin Towers from my roof. And I went to my friend's house on 2nd uh, Avenue and 5th Street, and we watched the second plane like go. It was <sighs> just crazy. And I just remember just feeling nothing, like yeah. just being like, okay, I just sort of have to be calm because I'm going to die. Yeah. So – I can't even imagine what it would be like to be a child yeah. who really can't control their surroundings and being sort of a victim of, of all that. Totally. You ever think about doing a movie about it? I, yeah. Every year I do. And after speaking with you right now, I feel like I really got to do it. Because 
just like a talking head interview movie, honestly, just like interviewing people who. Because it's funny. I always I, think like I should just do a podcast yeah, yeah. just on 9-11. Right, right, Like right. just 9-11 stories yeah, yeah, yeah. and like. No, because I, 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 I've thought about this for like the past five years or so, like ever since I started getting into documentaries. I thought it would be interesting to interview people around my age mm-hmm. um, because it it really was not, not to uh, discredit anyone else but i feel like that age in particular was especially crazy um you know, i like agree being i mean a I, seventh I, grader it, it just felt so surreal like it felt like we were living like the world wasn't real like the fact that that could just happen and i f- honestly like i think it's it's a go-to uh for new york city therapists to tell their patients that all their problems are because of 9-11. Really? <laughs> yeah. But I but I do think... It, no, it's it's accurate. I'm just saying, you know... It, it's weird. The new New York doesn't know that, that feeling. And sort of remember how the city was for like a few years after. It was sort of like this like empty, yeah. quiet, sort of sad place. Um, it was sad, but I feel like the, the year, two, three years after 9-11... You saw a lot of love in the city, or at least I did. I felt like people I did. were. I did. I remember something really weird. So at the time, I was uh, amassing my uh, my vintage, uh, mm-hmm. you know, treasure trove that I now have in my store yeah. on Delancey. Uh, I was buying tons and tons of stuff off of eBay, and all of a sudden, everyone that I was buying stuff on eBay was returning my money. And saying, like, oh, you're up shipping this to New York City. Like, you can just have this, my love. And we're sending you some, some, you know, uh, other stuff because we, you know, like yeah. all these people, like these weird eBay women, mostly, they felt so bad. And they were being so, like, generous. They're like, you, I returned your money. Mm-hmm. You just have mm-hmm. it. You, you need something. You're in New York. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, so there was sort of this, uh, like, stick-togetherness mm. that was going on here. But then after that, when sort of uh, Bloomberg came in and was like, we need money, let's just start taxing everybody and bringing on all these, like, big, giant uh, corporations and selling off all our real estate to China. You know, obviously, we live in a very different New York now. Mm-hmm. You still love New York, though. I still do, yeah. And you still think New York is the most amazing and colorful I city. I do. I do. It bums me out when when people say, oh, New York's turned to shit, because I don't think it has. I think that there are definitely a lot of things um, that have impacted New York negatively, but I still think it's the best city in the world. You know what happened to New York? New York became this place that is just so pivotal to young people, both men and women, in their sort of trajectory into adulthood that it's this place they come, they spend a few years, I got to live in New York. I got to do this, right? Mm -hmm. And then they leave. Yeah. So there's this sort of taking and not giving. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And that that's what I feel or that's what I see. Yeah, that's definitely one of the things that bothers me. 
but I they're still not lifers, think that the good, right? They're not out. like they no, they don't totally, really care. Totally. They're just like what what affects me. Yeah. The other thing is is corporations mm-hmm. never came here because they couldn't fucking handle right, it. Like this is fucking New York. Yep. Now we got stay away, Amazon right? Right, and, and yeah. now it's sort of revenge of the nerds, yeah. and they're like. Oh. No, I get you, it. That stuff sucks. It sucks. But still, the, the good ex- outweighs the bad. The expensiveness. They they tax you coming and going. They. It's just... I get it. You know, Manhattan, they say, is, you know, the largest gated community <laughs> yep. in the country. Because you used to, you know, we all moved downtown because it was cheap. Yeah. I lived in the East Village because it was cheap. Mm-hmm. Chinatown, cheap. And now that's not the case. There's nothing sort of that is welcoming to young people that aren't part of the corporate machine. Mm-hmm. And that's the thing. Uh, that's what's killing us is mm-hmm. that, you know, the freaks and geeks and, the you know, there's the nightclubs are gone. Mm-hmm. The, you know, the, all the cool people that worked in nightlife. Mm-hmm. It, there's they're few and far between, mm-hmm. and, th- and that to me made New York City mm-hmm. this special, unique place. That that's sort of dying, but I do agree with you. New York is the best city in the world. It is, and we still have a lot of those great places that you that you're talking about. You know, well, you Aster Place hairstylist. I was gonna say out. like like blessings to you because you really like you just dismantled my whole attitude about mm-hmm. it because i'm like oh damn he's right yeah like no it's it's true and oh man you know what really this is kind of going on a tangent but not really something that really fucking pisses me off so are you familiar with miss columbia oh yes of course yeah. um, r.i.p r.i.p so miss columbia was this amazing amazing colombian woman who lived in Queens and would go to all of these parades and celebrations dressed Miss just Columbia was like with, the Easter bonnet yes. like princess just of, Google, of life. Google Miss Columbia uh Jackson Heights Queens. But and always with the dog, right? Yes, always yes. with a dog okay, and a okay. parrot. Yeah. Um and she was just fabulous. Like, you know, made everyone smile. Just a great, great person. So Going back to that Know Your City series that I was telling you about, uh-huh. I did a, a documentary on Miss Columbia because I just saw her as this incredible street character. So when I made that film, I pitched it to like every New York blog I could think of. No one posted it. Huh. Then the second she dies, she passed away a few months ago, all those blogs reached out to me asking for the video. Uh. And it's just such a bummer that you don't appreciate these people and when places they're while they're around. But then the second they, they, they die or like an establishment gets closed down, these same blogs are like, oh, man, like New York's turned into shit, blah, blah, blah. It's like, we'll fucking celebrate them while they're, while they're here. You know, celebrate Astor Place while it's here. Celebrate the Panini Shop while it's here. You know, cel- celebrate Larry the Birdman while he's here. You know, don't wait until they're gone. It's true. but It's that's... so fucking annoying, man. And I want to... People c- can't see what's right in front of them. Mm. You know, there's sort of a, a tone deafness to great things or uh, like being able to like accept things that you have access to. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I really like appreciate you for always shining the light on on these people 
always giving them a voice and visuals because you're a filmmaker um, and keeping the new in New York. What do you tell these blogs? Like, fuck off? You can't have it now? No, I mean, I'm going to give it to them because I want... <laughs> You're like, too late, sorry. You know, like, I just had a phone call with New York Times because they wanted to do a, p- a whole piece on Miss Columbia. Okay. You know, I wish you would have celebrated her while she was alive. They're Maybe so they late. did. Maybe They're they so just, damn late. Yeah, but but of course I'm going to give them that that footage. Like, I want her life to be celebrated, but I'm just saying, like, you know, while all these people are complaining about New York and how it's changing... Now, why don't you, you know, embrace what we still have instead of just waiting until it's gone? Has there been people that have, like, turned you down and said, like, no, I don't want you to film me? No, I don't. No. Because you're such a little little gem. (laughs) Who could say no No, to you? Well, because usually it it starts um, kind of organically. You know, like if it's a, a street performer Yeah, or you're like, who's this creep I see every uh, every day just <laughs> sitting here watching me? But yeah, no, I mean, before I do something like more substantial, I need to like build a relationship. Like mm-hmm. It's not going to be worth my time or their time um, if I don't, you know, know them, if I can't, you know, if I don't like them, if they don't like me. Mm-hmm. You know, Tiger Hood is one of my favorite street characters turned friend. Mm-hmm. You know, I've just been documenting him um for the past three years and i i recently just shot like a proper documentary on him great we're cutting that now and um you know that's kind of like the next step for me is to you know keep doing the instagram thing so how can people find your films on my website hellerfilms can you watch the uh, the full film yeah yeah well right as of right now so this year it's my plan to do like four to six short films, short documentary films, similar to the Big Mike Take Lunch film that mm-hmm. I just released. I don't know if you saw that. I did see it. It's amazing. Thank you. So, okay. So, he's such a good painter. I oh, really he's love amazing. it. Yeah, he's so, amazing. So doing these, these passion projects, documentary passion projects, is always something that I put off because I generally don't like putting a lot of time into a film if I'm not getting paid for it. Yeah, well, um, it's you got to live. Right, exactly. Right. So this, you know, a few months ago, I was just like, you know what, fuck that. Like, I have the time. It's not going to, you know, I can put a, a crew together for free. Like, mm-hmm. whatever. It's it's going to be a great thing. I'm going to do this. So we shot the film and it got crazy press. And, you know, everyone everyone wrote about it, which was great because I, I was, this was around the time of the Miss Columbia thing and mm-hmm. I was really hating on just media in general. <laughs> it was the worst. Yeah. But um and then we uh we had this amazing premiere for the film at Astro Place Barbershop. So the film for those who don't know is about Big Mike, um, who's been the manager at Astro Place Hair Salon for forty years. I stumbled upon Big Mike on his lunch break uh painting in in the storage area. So what did they say? Like, oh he's down there, go down there and No, just... I wasn't even looking for him because we weren't friends at the time. Because uh-huh. I always saw him as like kind of the grumpy guy at the front who tells you which barber to go to. Okay. So I was never friends with him. But I've been going to Astor Place since I was like ten, so I knew him. Right, my husband too. Yeah. So, so um that's no, I went, went I went to use the restroom mm-hmm. and on my way to the restroom I poked my head into the storage area and saw Mike painting like a a Van Gogh inspired biggie. And I was just like, holy shit, this is awesome. So we started talking and then from that we became friends. 
Um, and I would check in on him like every couple weeks, see his progress. Cause he had told me that for 45 minutes every day, he was on his lunch break, he was going to paint. So I would check in on him a few months ago. I was just like, yo, Mike, like it's time for me to make a documentary on you. He's like, all right, come through. So we shot it, cut it together. It, it was the prou- my proudest thing I've ever done. Um, and you know, it got all this press. We had a, a screening at Astor Place, mm-hmm. um, along with his first art show ever. Pix Eleven News came and covered it. De Blasio showed up. I was up, gonna say De, the mayor came, which was insane. Um, you know, say what you want about De Blasio, but he came to. I mean, my screening. I mean, that's kind and of supported kind of a Big, big Mike and New York characters in general. Exactly. No, he showed he showed crazy love. Um, so I'm very appreciative for that um, and, and that and only that yes so anyway i was super happy with everything that happened um with with the film so i was like i gotta keep keep making these you know there's no excuse you know mike's whole message was if you don't have time you make time don't use excuses you always have enough time okay so i was like all right i'm gonna make time make these these passion project films and just keep it going and so yeah so we just shot uh tiger hood's film um, we're we're done with with all the filming. We're editing it now, and we're gonna have a special event surrounding that as well. So that sounds great. Yeah, that'll be really cool. Do you ever notice that your work is very male focused? I do. Why do you think that is? Honestly, um, it's not intentional. Mm-hmm. Like I've I've been accused of being uh, sexist. Really? Yeah, because I my primary primary focus are on male characters um and it's not a conscious thing you know i love do you think there's not enough women in well, so, uh, it, my, women are very vulnerable as street sure. performers my my first excuse cuz i've been accused of this uh for years um well, I just want you to know everyone no, no. everyone complains that everyone's a fucking critic no, so for sure. you know just whatever for sure um, and, and my excuse then was that there aren't a lot of female street characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's what my focus was. Now it's more about just like New York characters in general. So I don't really have that excuse. I never want this to be intentionally like need it to be diverse you know like okay. I, I just need it to happen naturally like i don't okay, want to be right. like so oh you're I, don't, not, I don't right. i don't focus on any indian people i need to go to to jackson heights okay. and do an indian person you know i want this to be organic i want it to be the people things that who, pique your interest totally the, the people, and that's right and i i i mean i don't even feel like i need to say this but i i love everyone I love women. I know you do. Um, my favorite people are women. I know. You're one of my favorite people. Um, and you love your mommy. Yeah, of course. My girlfriend, Your Naomi. girlfriend. But I'll tell you something, just as your friend. Yeah. As a fan. Please. What if I was to internalize that? Mm. Like, oh, okay, well, I've been a subject yeah. of your, you know, your filmmaking, yeah, which, and I feel really, you know, grateful. Yeah. Thank you for thinking of me. But, you know, why aren't there more women? Why? Yeah. You know, you can, as a, as a young woman, that can make you feel bad. Totally. I don't want to. And I'm not saying it's your bad. responsibility. Yeah. To, it's just, it's so mirrored in our society yeah. that we are not making the moves that matter mm. in a non sort of, 
you know, if you're like overtly sexual, mm-hmm. like then you get a atten- like, yeah, how can women get attention for yeah. being themselves and being individuals? It's not something that, yeah, no, is right. being championed, um, by society, yeah. So, anyway, no, I'm just, no, I, I'm I mean, just counterpointing it, totally. It. It's not, it's not, uh, <laughs> something that i'm like intentionally avoiding like roz chast okay is that's what per- i <laughs> is like a perfect example of someone who i'm just obsessed with she's just you know, so this, you just made a film on her. i just made a film on her she's um yes give us one a little of the, one of the longest uh running cartoonists at the new yorker and she's just like classic new york and i love her and she's hilarious i mean like do i you honestly think- i do i do it does uh distress me that that there aren't a lot of females on my page because i don't want anyone to think that i think females are less talented than males you know because i call myself the unofficial talent scout but it's just like as a male i i think i connect with men in in a a, a more organic way way. more organic way or in a way you know there there are this is very complex because I think if you are a woman street performer, you are so vulnerable. Mm-hmm. It is so different. Totally. So yes, you're not really going to like put yourself out there for abuse and ridicule and, and you know and and in harm's way. But mm-hmm. you you know you could actually put yourself in harm's way right. by you know causing attention to yourself. But yes, I personally would love to see. I would. More I would too. All right, I'm going to write you a list of some I mean, I'm going to meet up with this 90-year-old woman who does needlepoint um, prints. She's on the Upper West Side, and my my friend Harry uh, told me about her, and I I really want to go meet her, so I'm going to meet her and see if there's a film there. I know there's some, like, crazy old ladies that are, like, feeding cats in the park and that are, like, (sighs) we just have to find them. Yeah. You know, little unsung heroines totally. around town. Because, right, didn't they used to say like eight million naked stories sure. in, you know, in New York City at yeah, any given moment or whatever, even I would, more. I would love I would love uh, more female connections. It's a sausage fest on, on the New York Nico page, so. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Do you miss making music videos? No. If somebody wanted you to make a music video, would you say no? Yeah, I've I've been asked hundreds of times. Oh, I since, love that. Since uh, I stopped doing them, no, it's just uh, I I felt more of like a glorified babysitter than anything else because you really it's really about like managing the the talents uh, expectations. And nowadays, like when you watch a music video, most of them are directed by the the artist right which i know means they hired a director and then the right and then they're like but i'm not i'm not like i'm just going to give you this money but yeah. you're, i'm taking all the credit exactly. and make sure that the the smoke from my yep. blunt is going really yep. slowly around my face yep. <laughs> but yeah it works though that works totally. you know you're like ooh it's so mysterious with yeah. the smoke no but the the music videos <laughs> it was fun while it lasted but it just wasn't worth the the energy so if you could, like, close your eyes and you could do your life over again, if you couldn't make film, like, what would you want to do? If I couldn't make films? If you couldn't make films. I mean, I asked myself that when I was living in L.A. because I thought I wasn't going to be able to make a living doing that. So I was I was 
legitimately trying to weigh my options and, and figure out what I could do. And I couldn't come up with anything. I really can't do anything else. I can't drive. Okay. I'm, I'm, I have really bad attention span. I'm terrible with numbers. If I worked in an office, I would get too antsy. Okay. I don't know. I just, I really couldn't do anything. I mean, I feel like may, maybe I could be like some sort of a creative director, social media manager. Although You're I funny would, though. You could write. You could. No, you, I you can't. Know what I can't write. Uh, I don't have the patience for Are it. You, don't you write treatments before your? I Yeah, but I hate it. I and mean, I, God. And also it doesn't take that much time, you know? Really? Well, it it it, it depends. And I'm also working with other people and it, but it's not, no, I, I, I couldn't do anything else. And I don't know. I don't agree with that. Maybe I'd, I'd piggyback off of one of my friends. My friend Fallside has a really cool vintage uh, line called Fantasy Explosion that I'd would probably I don't know anything about this. Oh, really? What planet am I no, on? No, you bought something from him. I bought his um, MTA t-shirt. It's the best. Yeah, well, he does that through Fantasy Explosion, which is like New York-centric vintage. Ooh, I love that. It's amazing. He does such a great job curating it. But I'm I'm very jealous of that, so maybe if he let me, I would like work for him or something. I don't okay. Know. Or I would work for Claw. I t- you could totally be my intern anytime. Don't <laughs> you worry. Amazing. If this doesn't work out, yeah. you went to Little Red School. Yeah. So, yeah. Right, you're in. <laughs> I qualify. <laughs> what do you think 2019 is going to be about for New York Nico? For New York Nico or for Nicholas Heller? For, for – okay. First, we'll start with New York Nico. Then we'll go to Nicholas Heller and, and then we'll just talk to our homeboy Nick yeah. because there's – of, there's a few there's different. A few, yeah. I mean, for me too. Yeah, I have um, New York Nico. I mean, it's always been the same every year. It's just it's keep keep doing what I'm doing. Try not to add any pressure to it. Um, I don't set any goals. It's it, it, the page has always been for fun. Mm-hmm. So just continue kind of doing what I'm doing. You know, if if I had plans to like monetize it, I would have done it years ago. Sure. I heard the there's a. Uh, that that's going away. Is it? The, the influencer thing, yeah. Oh, I hope they so. want to stop. It, it, it's very cringy. It's horrible. Um, and then for Nicholas Heller, uh, Heller Films, you know, keep keep doing the commercials to stay afloat and then uh, continue doing those passion projects. You know, I really want to do like four or five short films and then eventually a feature, you know, but I don't want to rush that. I want it to be the right story. And then Nick, Nick's just got to... I'm I'm gonna more proactively work on the anxiety thing. Okay. Um, you know, I like I said, I I see a therapist once a month, mm-hmm. but I don't really like work on it on my own, and that's something that I think I need to do. Don't you think that maybe once a month is not enough? Yeah, it's probably not enough, especially if it's creeping back up. Yeah, yeah. But you know, therapists aren't cheap. No, they're not cheap. Um, but yeah, I I need to. I need to swallow my pride. I feel like talking about it publicly, mm-hmm. like I have today, potentially, I don't know how many people listen to this, but potentially. Millions, <laughs> zillions. Like, um, it's the but no, it's podcast. something that like, I. It's I, right under Joe It's Rogan. something that I, you know, I, I don't normally like push appearances of mine, but I feel like it is important for. Especially on a to day know. that, yeah. right, on a day that uh, it afflicted yeah. uh, your mood. Yeah, but I feel like talking about it more is probably healthy. You know, like 
it's it's been a, a secret for too long. Right. You know, that sounds like I have a crazy secret. Like, I mean, I but feel I don't, like you know, it's anxiety. Try, whatever, right. You know? If you try to hide anything, it becomes uh, bigger than yeah. what it is. And when you're sort of honest with yourself yeah. about it and you uh, take the power and away from it yeah. and the um the shame mm. you know there's nothing to be ashamed of no you're right um, and i thought maybe bringing it up to you i would be ashamed but i, I didn't feel ashamed but maybe that's just you and you're just a, a great person i'll take so. it so <laughs> No, that's where you say, no, you never have to feel ashamed. You never have to feel ashamed, and I am a great person, but um, I'm only a great person because I want to be, and I try, and I am a fallible human that has lots of issues of her own, Mm. and I don't want to judge, and everyone should be like me, okay? Mm. Be be like law. Facts. It's true. Tell me about your podcast. I did your podcast. What's you your podcast on, about? I'm, oh, come on. I'm on a hiatus right now. Are you on a I, I'm sorry. I'm not The podcast, like, I just do it when I want to do it. It's not, you know. It's cute. I'm not, no one's forcing me to do it. I, I like it. I want more of it. Okay. Okay. It'll it'll, it'll come back in 2019. Yeah, you're probably you're, you're busy. Yeah, you're busy. You're busy. So, yeah. You feeling better? I do. You going to see the day? It always helps to to get it out, you know. I'm glad. Be I'm gentle glad with could, yourself. I I know. Be gentle with yourself. Yeah. Have compassion. That's have what my com- therapist says. Yes. Have compassion for yourself. Yes. Don't just constantly like be beating yourself with a stick of like, got to get up. Got it. I think that's the New York ethos. It is. You know, but get up and get moving. Let what me, the fuck are you doing? If you're not doing something great, like. Yeah. But at the same time, as painful as it as it can be sometimes. It also has benefited me in in more ways than I can express. Just like getting me grinding and working, and you, you know, pushing grind. myself. You've got to so, grind. You've got to grind. You got to work. It's that but New York hustle, and that's why LA gave me so much anxiety because people didn't want to grind. People just like wanted to chill and have meetings. Oh, that sounds and so I wanted good. To, I wanted to work. It sounds so good. You know, I'm sick of grinding. grinding. It's exhausting. You have to grind out here. You are destined for greatness. Oh, if you're you. if you're not already there. Oh, I appreciate that. No, it's true. You're one of my one of my faves, oh, and uh, you're one of and my I, faves. And I'm so proud of you, oh. and and the work you do, and anything I could do to help. You know, I'm here for Thank you, my, you. my, my I know, dear. I know. And you can call me. I know. Keep sending me pictures of palms <laughs> yes. and all that stuff. <laughs> Yo, your your meme yesterday, the uh, the one with J.R. Smith crying. Oh, it's so good. It killed me. Word up, son. <laughs> <laughs> yes, memes are life. To find out more about New York Nico, go on Instagram and put it in. It's the full N-E-W-Y-O-R-K Nico. Though he does not go by Nico in the streets. If you see him, he's Nick Heller. <laughs> and say Hello. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Claude. Okay, I hope your day is is great. Thanks. (laughs) Wow. Nick, thank you for being so honest. Thank you for coming in here and being uncomfortable and working through it. Thank you for normalizing mental health issues. 
because it's fucking normal for people to not feel normal. Okay? Get it together, people. Thank you for shining your light and your love on people that are not considered normal and making them normal in our eyes. I really appreciate you, Nick Heller. And I love your films. And I love you. And I love that you wanted to talk about this with me. Find New York Nico at New York Nico on Instagram. Find me on Instagram, Claw Money. Twitter, Claw Money. Facebook, Claw Money. Oh my God. Find us on Instagram at Claw Co. I'm at 101 Delancey Street in New York City, people. Come on. I'd like to thank my producer, Jose Alfaro. I'd like to thank Bubbles NYC for the beats, yo. And of course, Nick Heller, thank you for being you. Don't forget to like and subscribe. Leave us comments. Let us know what you want to hear. Hopefully, they will be positive. That's all we want. Love and positivity, folks. 2019. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.